Good morning, everyone, and welcome to the Sunday morning service at Lady Will Baptist Church. Jim McFarland is here today, and he will be sharing the Word of God with us. But before that, I'm going to read through Psalm 100 to bring us into this time of worship. Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. Know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us, and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving, and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him, and praise his name. For the Lord is good, and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. Today's reading is from Acts chapter 1, verses 1 to 11. In the first book, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up, after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. He presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you heard from me, for John baptised with water, but you will be baptised with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus, who was taken up from you into heaven, will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. Amen. Let's pray. Father God, we come before you this morning and we want to thank you that you are God. We want to thank you that you are sovereign and totally in control of everything that goes on around us. Sometimes we feel that we're just in a swirling mess of chaos. It's good, Lord, to know that you are there. Father, we come before you and we just lift before you our families, our husbands, wives, brothers and sisters, children, grandchildren, parents, grandparents, in-laws. Father, you know each one's need. Father, some of them know you and love you and walk with you. Some of them are a bit lost. Some of them have never walked with you. Father, you know their needs, and Father, we would come before you this morning and we would ask that you would reveal yourself to them in all your power, in all your all-sufficiency, that they might know your presence with them this day. Father, we think of the wider of the church family. Father, our brothers and sisters with whom we cannot meet together on a Sunday yet. 
And Lord, we look forward to that day where we can once again meet together and hug each other and greet each other and know the joy of full fellowship. But until that time, Lord, we lift before you all of those who are in our fellowship who are dear to us. Father, some of them we haven't been able to meet for months. Father, we pray for them. We pray especially for those who live alone and for whom this is maybe a really hard time. Father, we lift before you those who are struggling. Father, maybe their jobs are difficult at the moment. Or maybe they've gone back to work and there's problems with childcare. Father, maybe they're not feeling well. Father, we ask that you would meet their needs, the needs of loneliness, the needs of difficulty. And Father, that you would just be very real to each member of our church fellowship. Father, that you would make yourself known to them. Father, we pray for those who are on the periphery of the church, people who may be linked with us through the community fridge, through the toddlers, through the Joy Club, through the YF, through Lift. Father, we want to lift them before you and ask that you would make yourself real to them as well. Lord, that they would actually just meet with you in such a real way at this time when everything is so topsy-turvy. Father, they have needs, physical, emotional, spiritual, and you are the God who meets our needs. And so, Father, we pray for those who maybe don't come to church on a regular basis, but, Lord, who would still consider themselves to be part of our community. Father, for our town and for our country. Father, we thank you that things are beginning to ease up. Lord, we pray for protection against the second wave. We pray that people would be sensible. We pray that people would think of others and not themselves. Father, we pray that you would undertake for these people. Father, we pray for the leaders, for Nicola Sturgeon and her government, and for Boris Johnson and his government. Father, for their advisers. Father, I pray that their advisers would give good advice. And Father, I pray that you would lead this country out of this crisis. Father, I ask that you would work a miracle. Lord, that you would bring our politicians to acknowledge that there is a higher power, that there is a God to whom they are answerable. Father, help them in all their deliberations. Give them the thick skins they need for the people who criticise. And help us, Lord, as your people, to support and encourage and not to tear down. Father, for our world, this wonderful place that you've given us and that we've messed up so terribly. Father, we pray for all the countries who are really badly affected with this virus. Father, that you would help them to find a way forward and a way through. For those countries who are coming out of this 
virus. Lord, I pray that you'd help them to protect against a second wave or possibly a third wave. Father, I pray for the virus to be truly suppressed as only you can. Father, we know that you are sovereign. We know that you are in control. And Lord, we know that you could zap this virus in an instant, but you have your purposes to work out. And we thank you that you know better than us what those purposes are. Help us to trust you in the midst of what is chaos. And finally, Lord, we pray for ourselves. We all have needs and some of them we can't even verbalize to those closest to us. But we know that our secrets are safe with you. We know that you can work everything out for those who love you. That everything is working for our greater good and for your greater glory. And so, Father, we entrust ourselves to you. In Jesus' name, Amen. Uh, good morning, good to see you this morning and it's good to come together as a fellowship that we might worship and hear uh, from God as we gather together, albeit um, in our own homes. Thanks to those who have already uh, taken a part. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word, which is the word of truth. And as we come here this morning, I pray again, Lord, that your book would become alive to us. Open your word to us. Open up your word to our hearts and open up our hearts to your word. For we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. After the present lockdown was relaxed, a man was desperate that he and his wife got away on holiday. So he, he purchased a world map and he pinned it on the kitchen wall. He gave his wife a dart and said to her, throw this and wherever it lands, I'm taking you there on holiday. Well, it turns out they're spending a fortnight behind the fridge. Sometimes things just don't turn out as expected. And we're left scratching our heads and, and wondering why. Even Christian people do that. Despite knowing and believing the promises of God, there are times and situations and things we still question with God. When, why, or how how can God allow these certain things to happen that to us seem so unfair, unreasonable, and comprehensible? And there are questions that we wish we just knew the answers to. One of the questions people ask you when they come inside your house now is, what is your Wi-Fi code? And one of the questions I've always asked for many years is this, why did the chicken cross the road? Or why and when can you shove your granny off the bus? But more seriously, is Brexit finally sorted? And perhaps maybe the biggest question of all is, what happens when you die? So we do have lots of questions that we ask now and then. And I'm sure like millions we have asked why coronavirus? When will lockdown be finished? And are we safe? Before this period of lockdown, 
self-isolating and sheltering as you entered into a new year of 2020? Did you have high hopes and plans and wishes and dreams? Had you booked your dream holiday? All your special dates and occasions and functions? Had you put them in your diary or in your calendar? And then came that news on that Black Monday, the 23rd of March 2020, total lockdown. All these anticipated appointments displaced by cancellations and disappointments. Although lockdown has been eased slightly, nevertheless, like me, holidays have been cancelled. We were unable to visit sons and daughters. We were not allowed family get-togethers. Unable to visit grandchildren to celebrate their birthdays. Others have had to cancel what would have been one of the happiest days of their lives, and that was their wedding. For others, there's been no graduation. For others, it's been loss of jobs. Companies have gone bust, obviously financial concerns. For the Christian, no gathering together, no fellowship. The churches are empty, but we praise God that he lives within our hearts. Apart from not seeing family and missing out on church and fellowship, I'm disappointed that because of the restrictions, I was unable to attend certain funerals. One in particular of a fellow pastor and a very good friend in Christ. But sadly for others who, because of this virus and government advice, were unable to visit sick relatives in hospital, and for some following the deaths of dearly loved ones, were unable to say goodbye. Let me tell you a story. Um, I will try and tell it as I remember it. For over 50 years, a devoted husband and wife, and I don't even remember their names, but we'll call them George and Jeannie. George and Jeannie were devoted to each other, loved the Lord, had read their Bibles and prayed together most mornings at the breakfast table. Sadly, George died. And on that day, Jeannie went to bed thinking that she could never again start the day with their devotional time. But the next morning, she bravely sat at the kitchen table. She opened her Bible to the exact place where she and George had ended their reading the previous day. And it was from Isaiah 54, and the words that stood out to her were from verse 5. For your maker is your husband, and the Lord of hosts is his name. Jenny smiled and said, Thank you, Lord. Although heartbroken, Although she knew she'd greatly missed George, she knew the Lord loved her and was still with her. Maybe Jeannie asked why. And maybe the Lord never gave her an answer. But what the Lord didn't do, 
was remain silent. He spoke to her in her anguish. And as we go through this passage, we'll see the same thing happen. When God doesn't answer our questions, he doesn't stay quiet. He speaks, and that should be reassuring for all of us. Disappointments are inevitable. They're inevitable in life. While we can't avoid disappointments, we can trust through God's word to trust in his promises. And sometimes that is the hardest part, trusting in his plans when things are not going as you planned or nothing makes sense to you. Disappointed, yes. But don't be discouraged. Why? Because the Lord your God is with you. Sometimes in life we question, and I'm sure you've often been in a situation aware something's going on but but you don't have a clue and and so you ask and the, the reply that comes back is this it's a need to know basis and you don't need to know how infuriating is that in acts chapter 1 verses 6 to 11 we read of the disciples eager to know when something was going to happen They asked Jesus, verse 6, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? It seems to me a fair question. After all, Jesus often spoke about the coming of his kingdom. Even in the prayer, he taught them, thy kingdom come. Could it be the disciples were keen or perhaps maybe just nosy to know when God's glory would fill the earth? And Jesus said to them in verse 7, It's not for you to know the times or the dates the Father has set by his own authority. In a nutshell, Jesus says to them, I'm not telling you. It's not for you to know. It's not in your interest to know. And sometimes when we question, maybe it's not for us to know what the answer is. The disciples were asking about the future. Should we not be more concerned about living for today? God has work for us to do, not in a future time but in a today's time. And I think Jesus wants us to be focused on the here and now. Not the here and now later on, but the here and now for today, because we are where God has placed us today. We are in this present situation. No matter what we are questioning, no matter about our disappointments, our situation, no matter even how we feel about this virus, no matter even what our take on COVID-19 is. God has allowed it. And it may be for you and for me concerning 
these unanswered questions that we put up before God, the answer that comes down from above is this, I am not telling you. And sometimes God doesn't answer a particular question. Do you remember um, the incident when Jesus began to wash Peter's feet? Peter questioned his actions. Why are you doing this to me? And listen to Jesus' reply. You do not realise now what I am doing. But later you will understand. So it's not for us to know the workings of God. Let God be God. He is, after all, in the beginning. He's the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, and he's everything else in between. He knows all things. So we praise his name. For three years, the disciples had been with Jesus. What a favoured position to be with. To be with him. That is the position that we have if we know him as Lord and Saviour. We are with him. At the outset of his ministry, Jesus chose 12 men that they might be with him. And even the disciples who had accompanied him heard him preach, heard him teach, who witnessed his miracles, they still had unanswered questions. When? And they're no different to us. We still ask why. And if there's anybody listening who have some niggling problems of when or why or how, you should go away this morning with a word of assurance that although the solution has not been revealed to you, God knows. Your Heavenly Father has the times and the seasons and all the answers in his own power. And that is where you and I have to rest. You and I have to be assured and lean on him, the everlasting arms. Let me say this lovingly, lovingly to you this morning. Be content in what you do know. Do you know that God loves you? Do you know that he died for you? Do you know your sins are forgiven? Do you know your future's assured? Should that not make you content? So don't let things you don't understand destroy the sure and certain hope that you have in Christ Jesus. Don't allow questions you don't understand to limit the joyous certainties that you already know. Because these certainties are our peace. These certainties are the source of our triumph. You might not know, but be content and thankful and assured that God knows, because our hope is in Christ. Going back to the verses, verse 9. Although he doesn't give an answer, God gives something else. He is not silent. He says basically to the disciples, okay, I know you may not like not getting an answer, but really it's not for you to know. But what I can tell you is this, I will give. Look what it says. You will receive. And we might go, what? We were going to receive an answer? No. 
something far better. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. You are the people that God has in mind. You are the ones he wants to use, so he gives us the power via the Holy Spirit, power that will be needed in our lives to overcome. Because God knows we can't do his work in our own strength, and that is why you will receive power, the power, the power we need to continue to live victorious lives. So we might not have the answer because it's not for us to know. But what you can know is the power of the Holy Spirit that will enable you. His enabling power can be known in any situation, in particular if you're in one just now. However difficult, however confused the situation may be, however unclear and uncertain the past, the present or the future seems, you may know the enabling power of the Holy Spirit. How important it is for that which we seek to accomplish can only be accomplished by the power of the Spirit. It's a power that we need, <laughs> let me assure you, just to get through the day. And you've heard these phrases before, without the power of the Spirit, we are powerless. Without his help, we are helpless. And without his strength, we are afraid. But with his power, a power that has us filled and empowered by the Spirit, it will enable us to be all that we are called to be. But not only will you receive, back at verse 9, verse 9 goes on to say, you will be. Not only will you receive, but you will be. And you might say, you will be what? Well, we will be many things. You will be where God leads you. You will be what God has made you. You will be blessed by the Lord for your faithfulness for all these past years. You will be built up. You will be at peace. You will be what? You will be assured for the simple reason that God knows. We will be a variety of things by the grace of God, but in this verse, Jesus says, you will be my witnesses. We are called to witness where we are and beyond. So be filled, know his strength, be a witness, know his power, focus on telling others about our Saviour. You and I are to lift up the name that is above all other names, the name of Jesus. And that final command from Christ to witness must become our first concern because Jesus continue his, continues his work today through us and through his church. We are called to witness not only where we are but further afield. 
God calls us to be his faithful witnesses. Now we know all Christians are called to share the good news about Jesus. So we are not merely to bear witness, but we are to be witnesses. We are his, are his ambassadors. Not just telling about Jesus, but living for him. Isn't it amazing that in the ways of God regarding the souls of people, God has chosen to use ordinary people with the proclamation of his word. That's you and I. We are not chosen to be a judge, although we're good at judging. We are not chosen to be defence lawyers, nor the prosecutor, but we're chosen <laughs> to witness. A witness is one who has seen and heard and experienced the life-changing power of Christ in their lives. So go and tell others what Christ has done for you. In the Greek, I'm led to believe the word witness is nearly identical to the word for martyr. Martyrs bear the ultimate witness to the truth by remaining loyal to the end. The early church turned its world upside down for Christ as it spread the good news of Jesus in the face of extreme hostile conditions. We know that many died for Christ. And we look at ourselves today and we think, why do we struggle to take up our cross daily? I heard someone say, or maybe I read it, don't say that you are willing to die for Christ if you are not even willing to live for him. And in our daily living, we should be telling others, we should be witnessing. People should see the beauty of Jesus in us. Will you notice where we are to be, witnesses? Start with those close to you. Jerusalem, where they were based. Jesus wants us to be faithful witnesses wherever we may be, but I think we are to start at home with our neighbours and then spread out. The call is to be involved. Not a spectator, but a participator. We are to be witnesses in all aspects of our life, sharing our testimony wherever we can with a lost world. You have received the power of God when the Holy Spirit comes into your heart at salvation, and now you shall be my witnesses. First of all, in your street then in your town, and then in your country, and then further afield. We may be the only Bible that people read, and the world ought to see Jesus living through the lives of those who believe in him. And in order to do this, you would need the power of the Holy Spirit. We may be the only Christ-like people that many folk will ever see. 
Physically, we can't all go to the ends of the earth. Some of us struggle just to get up the stairs. But we can all get involved and we should get involved because everybody needs Jesus. And God has laid on your heart to support those who are going to the ends of the earth. God has laid on your heart to support the BMS, for example, or, or Wycliffe, or the Shoebox Appeal. In effect, your individual giving, your individual support is going to the ends of the earth, and God would thank you for that. These words in Acts chapter 1 are part of our Lord's last conversation with his disciples. In fact, they're the last recorded statement of Jesus in the Bible. And then verse 9 tells us this, after he said this, Jesus was taken up before their very eyes and a cloud hid him from their sight. Luke chapter 24 records that at his ascension, Jesus lifted up his hands and blessed them. Isn't that amazing? He did something wonderful. Jesus left them in the very act of blessing. He went to heaven with his hands uplifted in blessing and they are uplifted still. He still blesses us today. Jesus came to this earth to bless and in blessing he left. Jesus came to this earth in love and in love he left. Jesus had been a saviour full of blessing to his disciples while he had been with them on earth and he would have them know that he'd be a saviour full of blessing to them after he ascended. He is seated at the right hand of God. He's the same yesterday, <coughs> excuse me, today and forever, forever. A saviour ready to bless. He's abounding in blessing. So go and count your blessings. Just before he ascended, Jesus left his followers with clear instructions as to what to do until he returns. There still is a great work to do. And you and I, as Christian people, are privileged to be a part of this great work. Notice what happened after he gave these instructions and after he went up. As they were looking intently up, as the disciples up into the sky, as Jesus was going, suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them and said, Men of Galilee. Did you know the disciples came from, the, all of the disciples apparently came from Galilee, apart from Judas Iscariot, and he wasn't there anyway. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. So Jesus disappears up to be with his father. The disciples are looking up, and it's as if the two men, the two angels, are saying to the disciples, look, don't just stand there looking up. There's a work to be done. Get back to where you came from and start telling others about the saving knowledge of Jesus. Go and be busy doing what God or Jesus 
has asked you to do, go and witness. Witness. And it's God's desire that the testimony and witness of Christ should continue until he returns. We know that generation after generation has passed away, but lovers of Christ are found on earth continuing in his testimony, supported by God and empowered by the Holy Spirit. The apostles are all gone. Many faithful men and women have passed away and we've lost a few this year already. But those of us who still love him, those of us who are still here, are to continue and can keep continuing in our witness until this same Jesus, not another Jesus, but this same Jesus, comes back in the same way the disciples saw him go into heaven. So hold fast until Jesus returns. For those who believe in him, we have a beautiful future. Christ is coming back someday. And if you're a believer, well, that should give us something to be excited about. All that time spent with Jesus. And the disciples never knew the answers to the many ways. But when Jesus left them and gave them his spirit, I believe they rejoiced because now probably for the first time they saw all things clearly about their master. Although Jesus was gone, I believe they weren't cast down. I believe they were full of joy because the veil was removed from their eyes. As they contemplated Christ's life, the meaning of his agony and the cross and his passion, the meaning of him being Messiah and yet one to suffer, the meaning of his crucifixion and at the same time being the Son of God, I believe all that would have been made plain and unravelled before them. And I believe they saw it all. And probably for the first time they understood Everything Jesus taught them and said to them, just as we just as we'll understand by and by. Let me finish by quoting this song. You know this song well, well, some of us do of a certain age. Tempted and tried, we're off made to wonder why it should be thus all the day long. While there are others living about us, never molested, doing the wrong. When death has come and taken our loved ones, it leaves our home so lonely and drear. And then do we wonder why others prosper, living so wicked year after year. When we see Jesus coming in glory, when he comes down from his home in the sky, then we shall meet him in that bright mansion. We'll understand it all by and by. Further along, We'll know all about it. Further along, we'll understand why. So cheer up, my brother. Cheer up, my sister. Live in the sunshine. We'll understand it all by and by. Yep, we'll understand it all by and by. Today and tomorrow and in the days ahead, there will be times and situations and disasters that you do not understand. But one day, 
all will be revealed as the veil is removed. But know this, as you walk with him, surely not only does he know best for us, but surely he is with you always, even to the very end of the age. Maybe, for the time being, it's not for us to know, but we will receive strength. We will be his witnesses. God granted it may be, because you have learned the secret of being content in any and in every situation, that you can do all things through Christ, who gives you strength. Amen. Be content in what you do know. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word to us. Thank you for revealing yourself to us through your word. And I pray again, Lord, that by being here together, we've been drawn closer to you. So help us, Lord, to be content in what we do know. Yes, Jesus loves us. We pray for the week ahead. Help us, Lord, to overcome and not be overcome for your name's sake. And now may grace, mercy and peace from Father, Son and Holy Spirit rest upon and abide with us now and evermore. Amen. Amen and God bless.